If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. This is when they start to really get romantic with each other yeah. and kiss and spend a night together. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. And more. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Star Wars Explained. I'm Alex. I'm Molly. And today we're doing something I don't think we've ever done before. Uh, we're going to chill with some coffee. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about Dark Disciple. We're going to do our own little book discussion. Yeah. Because this is apparently going to be very relevant coming up in the Bad Batch Season 3. Uh, we've seen in the trailer that Asajj Ventress is in the series, uh, which brings up some discussion points from this book. There will be full spoilers ahead for Dark Disciple if you're in the middle of reading it now or never read it before, uh, so be prepared for that. But uh, let's dive in just real quick. This book is from 2015. It's by Christy Golden. Uh, the basic summary is that the Jedi Council decides that they want to assassinate Count Dooku, which is an iffy decision for them to make, but they think that the ends justify the means. They select Quinlan Voss for the job and suggest that he team up with Asajj Ventress uh, so they can work together. Wasn't it Yoda's idea? Was it Yoda's idea or I think Obi-Wan's? It was, I think it was Mace's idea. Obi-Wan was pretty against it the whole time. It was Mace's idea? I think so. <laughs> I thought it was Yoda's idea. He went along with it. Mm. Uh, Obi-Wan was against it, but I'm pretty sure it was Mace. And the book opens up with, like, uh, a pretty intense war crime from Dooku. Like, he's murdering a ship full of refugees and people trying to escape. So, like, it, yeah. they make a good argument, I would say. We're going to discuss uh, <laughs> whether or not the Jedi Council should have done this later on. I wanted to ask first, just how did you like the book? So I was really late to reading this. This, this was your first time reading it. Yeah. Right? As soon as we saw Ventress in the Bad Batch trailer and everyone was freaking out about that and talking about Dark Disciple, I was like, okay, I have to read this book. <laughs> I, I had told you that you would like it for a while now. <laughs> yeah. And I did like it. I I love Ventress as a character, and I loved this kind of different version of her. And it was nice getting to know Quinlan a little bit more. Yeah, because Quinlan doesn't get a whole lot in the Clone Wars. Uh, he gets that one episode with Obi-Wan. I think he pops up here or there. Uh, but he never really gets the focus again. And he was a, a character that was heavily featured in the comics, but not so much the Clone Wars. So I think it's fun to really focus on him. I was doing some research on the development of this story because it was going to be part of season seven of The Clone Wars, um, but then the show got canceled, and then several stories uh, were told elsewhere. So Son of Dathomir was a Darth Maul story that was adapted into comics, and this was going to be eight episodes. This was an eight-episode arc <laughs> uh, that had the scripts fully written, animatics had been done 
but the show was canceled. And so I, I think they were like, this is a, a story worth telling that we have uh, done a lot of the heavy lifting for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Katie Lucas wrote the scripts and then Christy Golden took those scripts and adapted it into this book. While reading it, it, it did really feel like a Clone Wars arc to me. Interesting though, that it was going to be eight episodes because yeah. I feel like I mean, this isn't a long book, but I guess for for what I wanted out of it, it could have been a little shorter even. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that from what I am just guessing at, I think Christy Golden probably did adapt just about every scene of the scripts because I agree, reading it now, I haven't read it since 2015, but going back through it, I did my best to try to find out and guess where I think each episode ended mm-hmm. and the new one began. Uh, so that was kind of fun, a new way to look at this book. The episode titles were going to be uh, Lethal Alliance, The Mission, Conspirators, Dark Disciple, Saving Voss Part 1, Saving Voss Part 2, Traitor, and The Path. So I figured we would just kind of go through the book, uh, and I will go through, quote, episode by episode, or at least my best guess, Mm -hmm. and we can talk about each uh, little episode. So starting with Lethal Alliance, I obviously it starts with uh, probably Dooku and his massacre, and I I could see that being kind of the the Wolfie Lauren voiceover, and then we cut to the Jedi Council Mm -hmm. and their decision to assassinate Dooku, which then would go to Quinlan on Pantora, he meets up with Asajj. And at this point, he's being kind of secretive about who he is. He's not giving away that he's a Jedi. Uh, he's trying to just befriend Asajj and become her partner. Mm-hmm. Oh! <laughs> what do you think, Hilo? <laughs> Thank you. Get down. So they do team up on a bounty together. And this is kind of the first little step for Quinlan Voss towards darkness because they're chasing the, their target and they realize that He's not a bad person. He's like protecting mm. his family, mm-hmm. but he is being targeted by like a corporation. Yeah. And Quinlan's like, oh, I don't love this, but I've got to play along right. for the sake of my ultimate goal of assassinating Dooku. Yeah. Uh, well, we kind of skipped over Obi-Wan telling Quinlan about Ventress. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you you want to talk about that? One of my favorite parts was. Obi-Wan kind of like warning Quinlan about Ventress and saying, you know, she likes to flirt. She loves banter. Don't be just try not to be distracted by how hot she is, basically. Yeah. I mean, he basically says that in his Obi-Wan way. I think he says she's a striking woman. Yeah. And he's like, try to compose yourself. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. That is something I you started reading it before I started rereading it. And you were like, this is a lot hornier than I thought. And I was like, I mean, I remember it being uh, more adult than I would have expected from the Clone Wars in that regard. But then rereading it, I was like, oh, there is like some straight up no other way to interpret that innuendo. Yeah. From, especially from Gwynlin. I mean, like, especially as soon as they start to fall in love and spend more time together, it's like they're, they're not holding back mm-hmm. that they love each other. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, but what did you think of that whole sequence? Basically, I, I think that would have been the bulk of the episode is them hunting the bounty and Asajj reluctantly taking him on as a partner. 
I liked it. I mean, my favorite parts were once they started interacting with each other and he was playing up this like really cocky character uh, calling her honey mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And she was having none of it. She was like, what are you doing? What are you trying to do here? You're just going to get in my way. Yeah, just flat out punches him right away. Uh, there are animatics of this online. Uh, you can find them on YouTube. I think they were shown at a Clone Wars panel at a Star Wars celebration. Uh, it's kind of cool to be able to see some of this realized a little bit. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the dialogue isn't quite there, but it's it's still cool to see what could have been. I, I'm a little bummed that it wasn't like the final voice acting because I wanted to hear like Asajj really laying into mm-hmm. <laughs> Gwendolyn and yelling at him. But yeah, I think episode one is probably them just barely starting a professional partnership. Yeah. Then we go into, uh, quote, episode two, the mission. I would say now they're full partners. They've started to train together just as bounty hunters because Quinlan is still keeping his Jedi-ness a secret. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they get the job of rescuing the family of a Pike Syndicate leader because his family's been kidnapped by Black Sun. So they have to go... Now they're equals. Asajj is not like actively fighting against him. They're starting to develop feelings for one another and they have to go save uh, these kids and their mother Mm. on Mustafar, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So what did you think of that segment? Fine. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I feel like all the missions and stuff that they go on, I was like, okay, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You were ready to get to the, the hot stuff. That's besides Mustafar. Yeah, and I was ready to like see what the Jedi thought of them two working together, and I wanted to know more about Dooku and where that was going to go. So I just I couldn't help but feel like this was one of those arcs where there are okay, let's move the story along type episodes, and then there's like the juicy meat and potatoes. Right. I mean, with eight episodes, yeah, I I do think that they maybe could have truncated things down a little bit but i do like being able to kind of point at each episode and being like okay this is how they meet this is the episode where they really learn to trust one another Mm -hmm. like certainly the moral the blue text at the start would have been about trust yeah Uh, because at the end quinlan basically has to be a jedi and then he tells her the full truth of like who he is why he met up with her and his goal of, like, I want to assassinate Dooku. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I know you're a Jedi, yeah. idiot. She's like, duh. Yeah, and she, her nickname for him is literally idiot, idiot. for a lot of the early book. <laughs> but yeah, they, they develop trust, and she is, like, on board with the assassination. Mm-hmm. She's like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it, you can tell she's a little hesitant at first, especially just with her own history with Dooku and her own failed attempts, you know, at that kind of thing. So immediately she's like okay that's a big job but i guess if you're gonna do it you'll want my help and she sees potential in quinlan where like she didn't quite think that her sisters were up to the task the night sisters Mm -hmm. uh she's like here's someone that is a trained jedi just like dooku was and together maybe we can do this yeah but she knows that he's gonna have to tap in to the dark side a little bit which Again, she's like, mm, I don't know if he can handle that. 
So the next episode is called Conspirators. I feel like this should have been the episode called Dark Disciple. And maybe I'm wrong in where these episodes begin and end, but this feels like, okay, it's Quinlan training in the dark side, and she takes him to Dathomir and starts to basically push him to do what needs to be done because he's a Jedi, and assassination, killing someone in cold blood is like, not something that they would normally do right so she's worried that he's gonna get to that point and not go through with it and so she like tries to get him to kill a snake and he won't and then i think this whole episode builds up to her pushing him to kill this creature called the sleeper Mm -hmm. what did you think of all that i really liked all the dathomir stuff first of all just getting to read the two of them being on her home planet and he kind of learns more and more about her and what she's been through and about Dathomir. And it's interesting to see his point of view on all that stuff as a Jedi slash former Jedi kind of rogue maverick type character. But yeah, hearing her talk about how the Night Sisters use the dark side is really interesting because it's kind of like they tap into it they use it, they never fully, you know, go all in with the dark side. And they're able to kind of control it a little bit. That's something I wished that the book explored a little more. Because, I mean, these scripts were written by Katie Lucas, I assume uh, with all the approval of George Lucas. And he's been pretty clear, I feel, that, you know, dipping your toes in the dark side for a little bit, like... It's not going to work. So I would love more exploration into the Night Sisters, and I think they think that they can, you know, just dabble in the dark side here or there. But, you know, looking at Asajj, who was trained as a Jedi before she became a Sith, or someone like Marin, who in the Star Wars Jedi book Battle Scars, we see her at the end still using magic, but not through the dark side. Like, Mm. I think they can still access their magic, but, you know, they've just been trained and raised to do it with the dark. Like you're always saying, like, you want to see more Night Sister stuff. I'm like, yeah, they're really interesting. Yeah, I I would love to hear George's thoughts on the dark side and how the Night Sisters tap into it. Because I I guess for me, the best way I understand it is that it's different because it's magic. It's, yeah. it's not quite the force. It's like Night Sister magic. Dathomir, the Night Sister magics are all kind of like a whole different ball game, but it is steeped in the dark side. <laughs> I see. I just think that it, magic is still an aspect of the force. It's just a different way to harness it. But, you know, they, they do actually use spells and stuff, which the Jedi never do. Right? The Sith kind of do sometimes, but yeah. I I think the Night Sisters are just endlessly fascinating, and I'm I'm glad the book gave us a little extra glimpse into them. Mm. Hopefully, we're gonna get more in the New Republic and all that, more in the Star Wars Jedi games, thanks to Marin. But yeah, they're so interesting and just a different take. Yeah, and then this sleeper thing. Didn't know what this was while I was reading the book. I was like, is this a creature? Is it like something that? is always on Dathomir, and then she just wants him to kill it. 
that was that kind of bummed me out but it, i mean she's trying to get him to use the dark side so that was something that i remembered because i haven't read this book in like nine years but i remembered quinlan having this fight with this weird creature from the lake mm -hmm. uh but yeah it's like this it almost sounded like a shriek array or a nameless which i thought was really interesting the way she describes it like every night sister that battles it kind of sees it differently so it's kind of like a bogart also in harry potter yeah where maybe it just manifests as your fear which I, I just thought that was cool but she was saying that the night sister right is that they have to force it to remove part of its body and then they use that to create the water of life they're like green flowy magic stuff mm. uh but since there aren't any night sisters around anymore she's like just kill it <laughs> which is yeah but i mean that's part of Quinlan's struggle is being like this is just an animal and it's just trying to defend itself mm -hmm. and it's like this ancient sacred thing it's, she just keeps like pushing him a little further and a little further down the dark side which is i mean that's why this whole story is so tragic because mm -hmm. she's the one that is pulling him further towards the dark side and where he eventually kind of loses it yeah and, and it's not just her pushing him in that way but also like they this is when they start to really get romantic with each other yeah and kiss and spend a night together mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. and more yeah lot lot goes down on dathomir <laughs> I, I this was great for me to read i i was like oh i wish they could just like spend some extra time just hanging out the two of them once they decided to like really go for it and be in love with each other but i mean that's star wars writers have other plans that's basically their plan is like hey after we assassinate dooku we're gonna be free of the sith the war will be over and we're gonna just run off together quinlan's like i'll leave the jedi <laughs> he was just waiting for an excuse right well i mean like honest. that's just another thing of once you bend one of your rules it's a little easier to bend another one and another one and i don't necessarily think he was wrong in this if if that's how he was feeling then maybe he would just become the lost 21st yeah i mean the jedi asked him to kill someone mm -hmm. that feels like a good enough reason to me to be like okay i'll do this but then i'm out this is my final mission you know that's like uh lorne and angel <laughs> you just made me think of that yeah if you've ever seen angel lorne's a great character <laughs> but they ask him to do something basically like this mm. in the last episode and he's like i'll do it but i'm done with you afterwards like yep. mm, i love lorne <laughs> <laughs> but now we're going to jump into episode four i believe uh this one is called dark disciple and it's about their assassination attempt where the first thing that i noticed is like they they're going to raxus to crash a party where dooku's being honored as a humanitarian <laughs> So they get like invitations from someone mm -hmm. and then Asajj kills that person to wrap up a loose end. And Quinlan's like, why yeah. <laughs> did you do that? It's like killing an informant mm -hmm. who was just trying to help. Yeah. And Asajj is like, they would have turned on us if they were paid enough credits. So it's safer this way. And I just really like that. I think every chapter or episode or whatever you want to call it does a great job at 
showing these little baby steps of Quinlan being like, ah, okay, like excusing this and that away for the sake of this goal. I think that that's just the story of the Jedi Council too, of being like, yeah, if we killed Dooku, it would probably be the end of the war and it would probably save a bunch of lives, but how they choose to do it is a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. And I, at this point in the story, I kind of understood what Ventress was trying to do. Like, she's, in her mind, she's like, we have to do this, right? We have to make this work. Can't have any loose ends. Like, Dooku is a big deal to her. And the further I got into this book, I got I got so frustrated because I was just like, kill him. Kill Dooku. Do it. Kill him. Like, they had so many chances. I don't want to jump ahead too far, but they have <laughs> so many chances to kill him. And I was just not in a, in a Jedi mindset reading this because I was just like, they could have been done with this a I mean, long time ago. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about the philosophy of it all at the end. But... I know I am not a good person for thinking that, but just... Well, what if? Like, that's my what if. Yeah. What I mean, if they I, had I, done it? That would be a good Star Wars what if. They did it. <laughs> um, but, like, I don't necessarily... I see where the Jedi are coming from uh, when they make that decision. In this episode, they try to assassinate Dooku, but Grievous is there also. Obviously, the assassination attempt fails, and Asajj gets away, but Quinlan is captured. Mm-hmm. And the big bombshell is that Dooku tells Quinlan that Asajj killed his master, which oh, is, yeah. that's been like a thing that Asajj keeps telling Quinlan, no, Dooku that killed Dooku your master. Uh, so that that's kind of what pushes Quinlan even further into darkness. Also, he's like tortured and stuff, but. <laughs> sure. <laughs> we're, we're getting into Saving Voss part one. And this is, I, I really liked this. Asajj goes to Boba Fett. Uh, who the last time she saw him, <laughs> she like betrayed him and put him in a box. But she goes like with her tail between her legs and asks for help. It's Boba Fett, Imbo, and High Singer, Lats, and Bosk. Is Bosk there? Yeah, yeah, Bosk <laughs> is there. Because don't they pop up earlier in the book? Isn't Quinlan looking for Ventress mm-hmm. and he talks to all of them? So I liked that they came back and it's her going to them like. Hey, I need help. And Boba Fett is like, look who it is. Well, well, well. (laughs) That was great. I wanted to point out that there are animatics of this episode as well that you can find on YouTube. And Boba Fett has his armor at this point in those animatics. Yeah. So this would have taken place after the Cad Bane arc that never came to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But interesting that Boba Fett would be like fully kitted out at this point. Yeah. So she hires them. They go to attack Dooku while Asajj tries to rescue Quinlan. But he is like full on dark side and attacks her. And he's got the Sith eyes and everything. Yeah. And she's like, oh, no, what did I do? Yep. <laughs> so she's forced to flee. So that's saving Voss part one. Saving Voss part two, Ventress tries again. But this time she goes to Obi-Wan and Anakin and the council. Amazing. Which is, I would have loved to see those scenes play out. I know, me too. (laughs) She, like, addresses the council and everything, but Obi-Wan and Anakin are all in on saving Quinlan. And this time, they are successful, but Ventress recognizes that Voss is kind of 
fooling them all. Yeah. What is it they call him? It's like Admiral... Oh, Admiral Enigma. Enigma. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's like months where Dooku has like this new strange admiral that is mysterious and everyone's like, is that Quinlan? Has he fallen to the dark side? But Obi-Wan agrees to go help rescue him. And they do find him like imprisoned and chained up and stuff. But Ventress is like, this is a trick. Mm -hmm. We can't bring him back. Like he has fallen to the dark side. Don't trust him. This book was like a literal roller coaster because of this. Because I was like, wait, she like Ventress was so pissed and was like, nope, he's gone. He's done for. Give it up. I was like, what? <laughs> you guys were just in love. It, it was really, uh, yeah, I guess just roller coaster is the best way to put it, where you couldn't tell mm-hmm. if Quinlan was fully gone and Ventress was right and Obi-Wan and Anakin were just blind to it or what, because he just acts completely normal. Yeah, and I, I like that too for Ventress's character, the, the fact that she's done so much work to be good again that when she sees Quinlan Voss like working with Dooku and kind of going back and forth so much she is like I I can't deal with this again like he's probably not coming back from (laughs) from this well I think the next episode would have cleared things up because it's called traitor (laughs) and uh Quinlan is like rehabilitated quote unquote and the Jedi are like trusting him with more and more missions. And they're like, okay, he, he probably was really just imprisoned by Dooku. He didn't fall to the dark side. So there's two main missions that he goes on. And each one, something strange happens. Like they, they're going to get a bunch of supplies that they took from Separatists. And then Quinlan's like, they're rigged with explosives. And they all <laughs> barely make it out. And then later they go to a listening outpost and they find it abandoned. And they're like, oh, Dooku must have left it already. Mm-hmm. And the question is like, is Too many Voss... coincidences mm-hmm. with, with Voss being there. So Yoda has a moment with Quinlan and basically, I, I like this. He describes Quinlan has the psychometry abilities to touch something and feel its history. And Yoda describes it as like, I can touch a person and feel their soul. And so he does that to Quinlan and he's like, that's spooky, which why didn't you do that earlier, Yoda? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But he's like, oh, no, he's bad. (laughs) I think they still want to give him like a chance. So they say, let's send him on the assassination mission one more time Mm -hmm. and let's see where he goes with that. But we're going to watch him. Speaking of the psychometry, we, we kind of skipped over him getting a hold of his old master's Mm -hmm. lightsaber and then literally seeing and feeling uh, his old master being killed by Ventress. And that's kind of like part of what pushed him fully into the dark side with the Sith eyes and everything. Yeah. That was crazy to read. (laughs) So the last episode is just called The Path and Obi-Wan and Anakin trail Quinlan while they send him back to assassinate Dooku. He he picks up Asajj again and is like, we're going to finish this once and for all. And she's like, all right, I'm on board with killing Dooku, even if I don't trust you. Uh, so they get to him. They get the chance to assassinate him. But then he's like, take me to your master. And this is where you got really frustrated mm-hmm. because the Jedi start to attack. There's like this whole chase sequence where 
Dooku is injured and dying, and he is like, we got to keep him alive so we can get to Sidious. Mm -hmm. Quinlan basically gets greedy. I think he does still want to assassinate Dooku, but he's like, I can have it all. I can assassinate mm. Dooku and Sidious. Right. And then we'll super in the war. Like, we'll be free of the Sith forever. Like, he keeps telling Asajj that he's doing it for them. Mm -hmm. And she's just pissed the whole time. Yeah. I, again, they get so many chances to kill Dooku. All of them do. And, and the Jedi and the Republic is there. And they're just, like, making everything worse attacking and i was i was frustrated by the end of this even like dooku's bleeding out he's injured and yeah. quinlan's like keep some pressure on this wound and keep him alive and asajj is like no she's like let him bleed out <laughs> have you forgotten what we were supposed to do from the start but they do kind of have like a final heart to heart and then dooku tries to kill quinlan with force lightning and asajj jumps in front and absorbs it all and she dies while Dooku escapes. So it was all for nothing. And Asajj Ventress dies. Kind of, maybe. Kind of, sort <laughs> of, yeah. But that self-sacrifice really does bring Quinlan back to the light side. And then I guess he's pretty quickly rehabilitated. I mean, it does kind of... There's like a little montage chapter where mm -hmm. he convinces the Jedi that he's really back. And they start to trust him again, which I guess is just down to desperation. Like they, we know in Revenge of the Sith that he's still a Jedi general. Yeah. So I guess they're just like, well, we need generals. We're running low on Jedi. So. Yeah. And that's just a testament to like their mindset by yeah. that point. Eventually he is allowed to go back to Dathomir with Asajj's body and Obi-Wan. And he lays her to rest in the same waters where he killed the sleeper mm -hmm. so that's that's how the book ends yeah and they put her in the dress that she wore on raxus she was in like some really pretty not ball gown but some yeah, kind of really like that pretty dress yeah yeah but i think obi-wan was really sweet by the end of all this like he talks about like oh i didn't think i would ever find beauty on dathomir mm. like when they go there it's like he can tell there's a lot of dark side stuff going on here, but because they're bringing Ventress's body back to like the sisterhood, it's like the the dark side is kind of like giving them a pass of like, okay, well, you have good intentions here. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I think that a lot of times the Jedi get painted as if they are afraid of the dark side. And it's like, yeah, you don't want to, give into you don't want to let the dark side emotions control you but you also don't want to reject or ignore your fear or your anger like they're still valid emotions it's just that when you're feeling them take a breath and don't act out of anger or mm -hmm. fear but yeah it's a good reminder that like the force is the light and the dark side yeah so i think that's a good segue into uh, what we might see for Asajj in the future. How do you think she survived or comes back? Or will it be a flashback? I don't think it's going to be a flashback, but well, how I, do you think she will appear in the Bad Batch? I want to read an excerpt that I saved. So they're uh, taking her body and like using the force to like lower her down into this water. 
And it says, slowly the black water closed over her, accepting her into its embrace. Her face was the last of her to disappear, pale and bearing an expression of serenity she had never known in life. He blinked. Was the color, or sorry, he blinked. Was the water changing color? Tendrils of mist began to rise, green and glowing, green like the Dathomiri magics Ventress had spoken of, green like the water of life. So Kenobi comes over and he goes, Voss, what's happening? And then he says, listen. Kenobi's eyes widened. He heard it too. Now the whispers of women's voices. The Force had reclaimed Dathomir's wayward child. And as Voss reached out into it to, se to send the woman he loved a farewell, he thought he could make out a single word, sister. So they, they're hearing stuff. They're seeing stuff. Plenty of mystical stuff happening. Yeah, there's some magic stuff going on. And literally, like, the water of life is involved. I don't necessarily think that any of this was in play. Like, I don't think they thought, Asajj Ventress will return. Yeah, she, uh, I mean, she seemed pretty dead when they brought her there. I so. think that was the original intent of the story. But, you know, the Night Sisters are a culture where uh, resurrection happens. Uh, not in the way... I mean, the last time we saw it, it was zombies, mm -hmm. <laughs> but enough different things have happened with Asajj because she even goes into like the burial of Night Sisters in this book. But oh yeah, I had that. She's not too. She's not buried the same way. Yeah, she's they're on Dathomir and she's talking about like those big hanging sacks. <laughs> There's no other word uh -huh. to describe them as. Uh, she goes, these contain the body of my sisters. Uh, when one dies, so I was told, we perform a ritual to honor her. We bathe her in a sacred pool, then enclose her in the pod. In this way, a sister never truly leaves us. She is dead, but she is nestled inside something vibrant and alive. She's suspended between sky and soil because she is truly of neither. She's always near, always part of a clan. Uh, I was taught that our dead sisters can share our celebrations of joy, ceremonies of grief, um, blah, 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 blah. So, <laughs> uh, yada, 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 yada. So it's like, she got half of that. She was kind of like bathed in the pool or water or whatever, uh, but not completely laid to rest in one of those sacks. Right. <laughs> so, so I, yeah, I think there's room for them to say that somehow she was brought back the way that she was buried the water of life being involved, like they can figure something out that'll mm -hmm. work. Do you think that if she is in the Bad Batch, Quinlan will also be there? I hope so. If not, if he's not in it, I hope he at least gets a mention. But I have to assume if she survived that somehow, she would have found him. Yeah. And they would have gotten back together. I agree. Like the, the way that their last conversation went, the way that they were in this book, I... And if she knew that he had survived, she might not know at this point. There is that. But I feel like my fingers are crossed that we see both of them. Mm -hmm. And that we know he works with the path. I think it would be so great if she were also working with the path. Oh, yeah. I, after reading this book, I want to go back and watch that episode of Obi-Wan where he finds out about a, the path and sees Quinlan's name because his reaction to saying like Quinlan was here means something completely different to me now that I've read this. So the last thing I wanted to talk about is I don't want to do a moral for each individual episode, but if you could just sum up everything, 
all eight episodes or Dark Disciple this book with a Clone Wars style blue text moral, what would you have it be? Mm, something along the lines of like, it's never too late to turn back to the light. It's Ventress has a line similar mm-hmm. to that right before she dies. And I think that would be a good poignant fortune cookie for this very very star wars like the core of star wars i think i would make mine something similar to what yoda says in the empire strikes back that once you start down the dark path forever will it dominate your destiny which i don't think means like once you go to the dark side you can never come back to the light Mm -hmm. I, i think darth vader quinlan Voss, asajj Ventress, like there are plenty of examples of that not being the case but i think that it it means that once you start doing dark things, it's easier and easier to do more. Right. That's what I kind of get out of this is that the Jedi are like, hey, killing Dooku would be a net good for the galaxy. Um, let's do it in cold blood. Yeah. Like, let's just do it and get it over with so we can look past it and pretend like we didn't. Yeah. I don't necessarily think it's the worst decision, but as Jedi, once you're willing to bend your code a little bit then as we see with Quinlan you're willing to bend it a little more here a little more there Mm -hmm. and so on and it just snowballs yeah and you know it takes a lifetime of training to be a Jedi and then you have to maintain it like it's hard to be a Jedi and then Quinlan who spent his whole life as one it all fall apart falls apart like in a matter of eight episodes i don't know how long <laughs> yeah. the whole arc took but very quickly it's all ruined mm-hmm. it's a slippery slope yeah and now like i think that's always going to be a struggle for him like he can still come back and be of the light side but like that's always going to be something in the back of his head and it, it i don't know that dominate your destiny is the best wording for it but like that that dark impulse is always going to be with you. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's it. I think we're ready now <laughs> for uh, the Bad Batch and whenever Asajj Ventress returns. We're ready to. See, I think I think Star Wars is learning that we need to see these redemptions a little bit more fleshed out because we get to see Asajj. You know, she's still kind of a she's still a bounty hunter in this book, but then we get to see her truly go, come full circle to the light side again. And so if it is the fact that she's being brought back, uh, I, I'm just excited that we get to see a little bit more of her redemption. Yeah, getting to see her as part of the light side and maybe still struggling with it. Like, I love the line where she's like, I didn't come here to kill you, but you're making it hard. Yeah, like, but I could. But I, I won't. I could if I wanted to, but I won't do it because I'm, I'm not that person anymore. But, oh, I kind of want to. <laughs> yeah. Like, that aspect of her I'm excited to see. I agree. You know, we've made jokes about how everyone in Star Wars, you get redemption and then you die right at mm-hmm. the end. Um, As much as I'm like, ah, if you make the decision to kill a character, as long as you think long and hard about it before you bring it back, okay. Like, it worked out for Darth Maul. I'm hopeful that it works out for Asajj, too. And... Mm-hmm. I think I'm more excited about it than I am rolling my eyes at like, oh, another Star Wars character back from the dead. And I, you know, if she gets to meet Omega, 
you know, we keep seeing Omega meet all these different characters uh, throughout her journey in Star Wars. I think that would be a great learning experience for her to like meet Ventress, find out a little bit about her. Just I, I want to see those two interact. <laughs> that would be fun. The way Omega like mimics Hunter or Fee. She could teach her some tricks with her uh, energy bow. Energy bow. Yeah, I don't know. That's what it's yeah. Called. Like if they got a chance to meet, then they could bond over that. Yeah. <laughs> but that brings us to the end of our discussion of Dark Disciples. So uh, I hope that helped as a refresher if you've read it before, or if you just needed a summary going into the Bad Batch. Uh, there you go. Yeah. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> a brief summary, but. Definitely, if you're interested in any of those characters, I would say give this book a read. Oh, yeah, it's really good. I, I think this was the first, like, new canon book. It was when the new canon was still very new. But this was the first one I read that I was like, yes, mm -hmm. I really dug it. And I think it's the first one I've... Well, I did reread Light of the Jedi, one of our uh, Ellie in the comments pointed out. But that was, like, back-to-back. -back. Mm -hmm. So... This is the first one that I've revisited years and years later. Uh, still enjoyed it quite a bit. But that's it from us for today. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, Threads, and TikTok. And as always, thanks for watching, and may the Force be with you.